0: Isn't it great to be in the house of God? All the places we could be, all the places you've been, some good, some not so good. And here on a Wednesday, we're in the house of God. There's a supernatural significance to the gathering of the church. And you being here makes that special. Because I don't know if you know this, but the ministry is all about people. And Jesus is all about loving people right where they are. Now, we strive, we strive for excellence in what we do as a church. And I think that's good. So that's a great place to say amen. I think it's good. Excellence meaning doing the best you can with what you have. I learned this a long time ago. I've, I've, you know, I've talked to you a bit before about being a musician and being in bands and doing all kinds of stuff with music. One thing I learned about music and musicians, besides them being a little crazy, uh, but the, the one thing I learned about bands in particular is every band, even your favorite band, uh, that one too, every band is made up of strengths and weaknesses, and every player and every singer in the band has strengths and weaknesses. So, so whether you're coaching a, a little league football team or you're doing worship, you just, have to, you just have to reckon with the fact that we are where we are at any given moment. Right. And I had, I had to realize that where I was as a drummer was, you know, it was just a snapshot like any particular performance, any particular service. It just was where it, where it was because I was where I was. I'm talking about skill level. But I always, I always strove to take lessons, to practice, to rehearse. I mean, I, I, was, I, was, I was in it. And uh, you know, when I took lessons from a guy named uh, Billy English one time, which none of you guys know, but probably most of you guys know. Anybody here a, a Willie Nelson fan? Okay, so some of y'all know Willie Nelson, three of you. Come on, the questions don't get any easier than this. You've got to work with me right up front. Well, Billy's, Billy's brother, Paul, plays for, uh, for Willie, but... But Billy English, the guy who taught me, was a, like a totally different drummer. And so when I took lessons from him, we were studying out of a book that was called Advanced Funk Studies. So it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, a, it was a lot of funk grooves. So that was my philosophy in, in, in drumming was to always work towards excellence. But wherever we were, my development was what it was at that moment. Excellence demanded that I keep learning and keep growing. Now, here's, I, I just wonder this, and I know you probably don't, don't think like this, but I, I think about church. I think about church a lot. Right. Good. And one of the things I wonder about church is if, in our pursuit of excellence, we sometimes inadvertently give people the, the thought that anything less than perfection is not acceptable. In other words, words, if you're aspiring to be a preacher or a teacher, and you look at what happens like our weekend communicators, like Pastor Dwayne and Pastor Jacob, they're at a a pretty high level. You know, this ain't their first rodeo. Uh, They've done this a while. And so when you, when you look at people like that who are developed in their skill and they're operating at a high level of excellence and you feel like you have that call, sometimes that can make you feel like, well, you know, I'm chopped liver because I'm not like them. Well, can I let you in know, on a little secret? Pastor Dwayne has not always been Pastor Dwayne. He was just Dwayne. And I'll, I'll now this is going to be shocking, so please, please just hang with me we'll get you counseling if this really if this really is troubling but okay here it is just please brace yourself pastor Dwayne has not always been born again what hey he puts his shoes on just like you do and the point i'm making is this is not to try to not to try to bring him down but just to say you know what at some point in time he was a beginner So never, never, ever think the pursuit of excellence is about perfection, because if it were, no one would ever start doing this. So we're starting, a new, we're starting a new series tonight called Influencer, because if we're going to be a church of influence, we have to be filled with influencers, people who have influence. And I would like to say that's you. You have influence in some realm, in some circle, because God has connected you to other people. The ministry is people, and you have influence with a certain number of people. If you if you if you mechanic, uh, if you paint, uh, if you if you uh, have a career mo- remodeling a house, you have influence. If you're a parent, you have influence. Amen. And so what we're going to be talking about really, is, really hinges on the Great Commission. Do you know what that is, the Great Commission? Yes. Okay, we're to go into all the world. Okay, we're, we'll, we will get there, but I want, to, I want to start with a story. Because I think it illustrates the fact that perfectionism kills creativity. If you think you have to be perfect before you can start doing whatever it is God called you to do, you'll never start doing. Right. Right. You, you'll never participate in your calling. And I, I, I like to say it this way: doing what you can do is the start of doing everything you want to do. Right. Right. That's, good. Yep. Right. That's really good Amen. <laughs> I like to say it this way. This is, this is my section, apparently. Doing what you can do is the start of doing everything you want to do. So what? Oh, the rest of you showed up. So why? Why is that important? It's important that you start and you start with what you can do. I mean, life is filled with obstacles and there are things that you cannot do. I understand this, but in your situation right now, what can you do? And there's vision flooding my soul because there are people here who have businesses in their heart. There are people here who have ministry in their heart. There are people here who have books in their heart. There are people here who who have, who, who have, you name it, you have dreams and you have visions that are deposited by the Holy Spirit. And you are uniquely gifted to impact this society in this time where you are. So you have to start with what you can do. So I know I've, I know I've preached this section of of 2 Kings chapter 7 before but it deals with the four lepers. And I've talked to you a little bit about the famine that they were in. And this has been a long time ago, so I probably could have even just read it. But I I want to talk about it for just a moment. Even though I'm going to read about five verses, hang with me. Because I want you to look for something in particular. I want you to look for the phrase that they said to one another. And I want you to look for the phrase, listen for the phrase, they arose or they rose up. You following me? Okay, we're talking about being influencers, and we're talking about the influence that you have. So let's jump in here. There were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. Follow me? Now, why they're sitting out here at the gate is kind of a peculiar thing. The city has been surrounded by the army of Syria and because they've been surrounded, there's no food and supplies coming into the town. So the town is in famine. I mean, they are in serious condition. They're, they are like they are like hungry and beyond hungry. I mean, there's, there's terrible stuff taking place. So you've got the Syrian army surrounding the town. You've got the wall surrounding the town. And inside the town, people are starving. So the enemy... Israel inside, the enemy outside, and then there's these four lepers that are out in the middle. They're at the gate where the elders usually sit, where the marketplace took place. And watch this. They said one to another, why sit we here until we die? Now, I... I, I'm using the King James tonight because I like this wording. Why sit we here till we die? I think at some point in our life, we, we are, sometimes we're like frozen by fear of doing what God's put in our heart to do because we're worried about what somebody else is going to think. Let me, let, me, let me assure you this. The people you are worried about what they're thinking about you are not thinking about you how do I know that? Because what they're thinking about is themselves. They're not thinking about you. As a matter of fact, the people that we look up to are the people who really don't care what anybody else thinks. They're going to do what God put in their heart to do. They said, the four lepers said one to another, why sit we here till we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city and we're going to die there. I mean, these fellows were were impaired physically, but obviously they were not impaired mentally. If we go into the city, we're going to die because the famine's there. And if we sit here, we die also. Influencers, whether you do something or not... One day you'll draw your last breath and you can die with the, with the dreams and the desires that you have in your heart never having been expressed or you can do something, take one step, move one step towards doing something about what God's put in your heart. If we sit still here, we die also. Now for now, therefore, come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. In other words, hey, let's just run out to the enemy's camp, the people who are out there aligned, ready to come kill us. Let's just go out there. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die I'm thinking about a poem a lady named Mary Oliver wrote this poem about uh, a summer day and she's talking about being out in nature and she doesn't know exactly what a prayer is she says but she knows how to kneel in the grass and be quiet literally she uses the term be idle and she finishes the poem by saying this you know what Someday, too soon, everyone will die. And the last line of the poem is, so what will you do with your one wild and precious life? That's really the question that that I'm talking to you influencers about, is how will you use your life? Will you sit where you are until you die? Or will you do something about what God's gifted you to do? So they're saying if, we, if, if they kill us, we're gonna but die. I think, about, I think about the book of Revelation that talks about how there were a group of saints who did not love their own life even unto death. You know, how are you gonna use your life? How are you gonna spend your life? So listen to this, the lepers, they rose up in the twilight. You know what the twilight is? It's not a movie series, I'm talking about the time of day. They rose up in the twilight. This is at dusk. This is that in-between time where it's, it's not day, but it's not night yet. That's where most of us are living right now. If we're sitting still, we're living in the in-between time. If something closed behind you, you're waiting for the next thing to open, and you're in the, in-, in the in-between time. Listen, this is why it's so important who you hang around with. Because this crowd said something one to another, and then they acted corporately one with another. They rose up in the twilight... To go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots, a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. Now, stop and think about this for a second. You got four lepers. who decide, you know what, we're going to go down to the enemy's camp and see if they will feed us because we're starving. We're going to just take a chance. We're going to do something. We're going to break out of this rut. We refuse to stay where we are. So they got up and started moving. And when did they move? It was at twilight. Now, when I think about this, the miracle is this ragtag group of four lepers, they're just walking along towards the Syrian camp and God amplifies the sound of their footsteps and now the enemy is saying something. They say one to another. This is a Syrian army. They say one to another, lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites. Now, you have to think about this. The reason there's a famine in the city is because nobody can go out and nobody can come in. So, how in the world did they think that the king of Israel got word to hire these people in other countries? So the army says to one another, there's that phrase again, the king of Israel has hired against us the Hittites, the king of the Egyptians, to come upon us. Wherefore, watch this, they did what? They arose. When did they arise? At the twilight. They left their tents, they left their horses, they left their asses. Man, you got to be moving fast to do that. Thank God for the King James. I actually thought I was going to read around that, but I just got caught up in the moment. They fled... They left it all, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. So this is an amazing story. But what I want you to, what I want you to catch is both groups said something to one another. The lepers at least had some level of faith operating in what they said. And they were cooperating with one another to say, you know what? We're in this till we die. We're going to make something happen. We're going to step out in faith, whatever you want to call it. The lepers started moving towards the enemy camp. They started moving towards their provision. And this group, the, the Syrian army, they started talking to one another too, but they weren't talking in faith. They were talking defeat. Why sit we here? You know, I would like to, I would like to, I'd like to say this to you. There are some things that you don't need to pray about. No, I I don't think you're listening to me yet. There are some things that you do not need to pray about. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Don't need to pray about that. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Don't have to pray about that. We already got a command for that. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We don't have to pray about that. That's a command. That is our commission. That's what Jesus is up to in these last days. And he commands us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then Jesus says, behold, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. In other words, this command, this mandate, this command is always. I don't have to pray about if I follow this command. I don't have to pray about if I'm going to obey the Great Commission. My only prayer should be, Lord, how do you want me to do it today? How do you want to use me today? But you know what? The, the sad thing is, even though heaven and hell is in the balance, most people don't think about the other people that they're around daily. They don't think about them having an eternal soul and that they're going to spend eternity somewhere. Keep smiling. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that I do that and you don't do that. What I am saying is, it takes effort to think about eternity and to think other people in the light of eternity. You know what? If if the, if the Great Commission and eternity were always in view, then I would view wherever I work or go to school in terms of a mission field. I would then discover this, that the reason I work where I work is not just to earn a living, but it's to influence the people who I'm around towards eternity in submission and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. If I look through the lens of the Great Commission, then where I live is not just to have a comfortable, secure place that I can enjoy, my home or my apartment. I would look through the Great Commission. If I look through the Great Commission, the reason I live where I live is because my neighbors need to know Jesus. Y'all are making me want to come down there. Go, therefore, and make disciples. You know, the willingness to do the foolish in order to reap the supernatural is what separates the men from the boys. The women from the girls spiritually. In other words, this was, this was foolishness for these, these four lepers to think, we're going to go to the enemy's camp, and they're just going to feed us. Or maybe not, and then we die. But there's something about faith that always looks foolish to the flesh. Are you willing to do the foolish to reap the supernatural? So here's my first point. You thought I've already preached my message. Here's my first point. Do something lest you do nothing. Do something. In other words, whatever it is that God has put in your hand to do, whatever it is, the mission field that he's placed you in, do something. You have a dream? Do something about the dream. Do something lest you do nothing. I think think what has to happen in the last day church, for the last day's church to be a glorious church, a power-filled church, we're gonna have to have people who have enough faith to get out of the ruts, to get out of unbelief and begin to listen to the Holy Spirit to do whatever he says to do, however he says to do it. Because if you'll ever notice the miracles in the New Testament, they usually had some concrete, physical step of faith. In other words, spitting in the dirt and making mud and then rubbing it in somebody's eyes does not look supernatural. And it doesn't even look effective until the power of God acts with that obedience and that step of faith to produce the supernatural. Are you willing to look foolish to risk looking foolish in order for God to move? That's the point. I mean, come up with a website that connects people to opportunities to serve in the community and, and have an easy button. That's, that's hard for a matter if you don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, that just, that just sounds crazy. Except God be in it. Start your third business? That's crazy. Three businesses? Unless God's in it. Go knock on a neighbor's door, take them that fresh apple cake and tell them about Jesus? Unless God be in it. Start a Bible study and invite your neighbors? It's crazy. So crazy, it just might work. A culture of experimentation. I think, I think this is what the end time church is gonna to have to do. The end time church is going to have to get familiar with risking failure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. See, so we don't like that word because we think if it's God then it'll never fail. Well, God never fails but we're, we're like temporal human beings. We don't get it right every time. But I know this, if we don't move, God's not moving. Why, because he already made his move. What he's waiting on is for his church to make a move. I just, you know, I'll get you a mic. Come on. I could use a a breather. I don't know where there's a mic or give it to you. See, in a culture of experimentation, we no longer fear failure. We don't fear failure. People who can get past the fear of failure can make history. Innovation and failure are tied together. They're two ends of one stick. If you can get a grip on the fear of failure, though, what's left is innovation. So I just need to to talk here because I'm just... I'm taking too much time. But the fact of the matter is, I'm I'm talking to a group of influencers. I'm talking to you really still about being a church of influence. That has to be a group of people who are willing to step out in faith no matter what it looks like. I mean, you'll pray at the drop of a hat. You'll give in division. You'll do crazy stuff when people fall in love with Jesus and when the Holy Spirit is allowed to move and ignite the fire of passion in people's hearts, you do not have to beg for money. You do not have to beg people to pray. You do not have to beg people to read their Bibles. When you fall in love with Jesus, he will fill your heart, he will fill your life and he will fill you with influence. And I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm talking about you. If four lepers could change the history of a nation, what could a group of people who are willing to do whatever God says to do in a neighborhood, in a county, in a state, or a nation do? So I, I, I heard some, some guys from another organization say that their motto is this. Jump, just jump and build the wings on the way down. You know, my problem, my problem is with my, with my outlook, I want the security of like building backup wings and trying them out way before. But when it comes to the things of God, I just want if he hints it to me, I want us to jump. I want us to do something. I want, us, I want us to start campuses in nursing home facilities. I want us to master the art of pop-up church. I want us to foster the foster care program in Grayson County. I want to see every kid who needs a home in foster care or adoption to have what they need. Why is that? Because God is waiting on us The fields are white under harvest. He's already jumped. He's already made his move. He's just waiting for a church somewhere in this region to step up and influence the rest of this area for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe we can make history. Listen, you normally get it wrong before you get it right. So this guy I was listening to said... The motto in their organization is this: Fail first, fail fast, and fail often. Now I'm not talking about moral failure. I'm talking about making attempts to do something that's better than what you've done in the past. Making the attempt to move forward. And sometimes that feels like moving forward into the unknown. If you had a mic, I'd let you come, I'd let you come preach, but I don't nobody's taking my hint. <clears throat> So here's my second point. She'll be okay. Here's my second point. I'm going to try, try to calm down. Okay? Start where you are with what you have. I don't know why I'm talking so much about, about music, but I... Um, the, the first band that I was with, the first band that I played drums with, I should say, the first band I, band I played drums with, and for the first, like, probably five years, I didn't even own a drum set. So we were, we were traveling and doing services, and I didn't even own a drum set, which meant every time that we had to practice or every time we did a service, I had to be someplace where there were drums or I had to borrow drums. But that's like five or six years of ministry with no equipment. We didn't have a sound system, but every time we went someplace, we found a way to have a sound system. It's crazy when I think about it. And if you told me you were starting like that, I might think you were crazy too, but (laughs) Maybe it's so crazy that it just might work. I'll tell you how crazy, how crazy this got. The band that I had before I went into full-time ministry, I had five churches booked before I ever had the band. It was exciting. So I gathered the musicians... And we did the first service. And then that five years, that band, that five years with those five services I booked, because a pastor friend of mine had written five letters of recommendation, that five letters turned into four years, three or four years of ministry. But we were willing to start with nothing. I just wonder how many people are crazy enough to join me in starting with nothing. I don't know what your calling is, but are you willing to start? He's talked to you about leading a life group and you're waiting until your ducks get in a row. Sometimes you just need to jump and build the wings on the way down. It's a great motivator. You'll actually stick with the project if you need wings and you jump. Listen. You never increase what you don't invest, and you'll never start a ministry that you re- you'll never finish a ministry that you refuse to start. Now, everybody that thinks I'm talking about somebody else needs to recognize that I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about me. What is it that you're holding on to that you should be planning? What is it that you're dreaming about that you should be doing something about? Start where you are with what you have. Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning. In other words, you can't finish something, you won't start. You're never going to know everything about everything. But you have to start.